Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the White Tail Lakes Podcast. We're all set up here down this creek bottom. Bean Buck's been in here a bunch of times, so good chance to see him on him. Meh. Smoking. I think he just crashed, brother. <laughs> Absolute money, dude. It's 76 degrees out. We just set up 80 yards from a buck and killed him at 18 yards. Here we are. We're set up on a, this crate that's been absolute fire for the last eight days. We know a shooter went in here to bed this morning. Matt. Smoked his ass tonight. Get it? That was at eight. That's at eight. Fucked out October 28th. Homies up for the rest of November. But absolute incredible season. Both kills on hanging hunts, right on the beds, and just making it making it happen. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and I appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode on Wednesday, right off the rip here, filling those ear holes plumb full. And today, we're going to talk about, I hunted 17 days straight in a rutcation, and I didn't kill a buck, and here's why. Um, I'm going to go over a checklist that I made after I've sat down and kind of processed what I think I failed on, what I did good at, and just go over the uh, the hunt um for all that time in November and just go where I failed, some mistakes I made and some stuff that I would change if I could. Hopefully at the end of this, we both have a better um, understanding of what happened out there and uh, maybe take away some knowledge from it and something that we won't do next year. Um, before we get into that, let's get into the people that make this possible, get into the show. Starting with Exodus Outdoor Gear. If you guys are in the market for a mobile cam or a new set of arrows, the new MMT arrows, check out Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, they've been with me for, I think, four years now. 
um, coming through every year, supporting the podcast. So if you guys are looking for a new set of arrows to start off um, the new year here to get you ready for next bow season, make sure and check out the new Exodus MMT arrows. Also, they have a bunch of news coming at the first of the year here. Can't wait to share it all with you guys. They're continuing to grow um, and to be in the forefront of the the honest marketing um, in the world of the outdoor industry, which is a lot of gimmicks and a lot of stuff that doesn't shine through correctly. Um, but they're, you know, on the forefront of, of making solid stuff that's backed by a good company and a good warranty. So next we got Afflictor Broadheads. If you guys are in the market for a new Broadheads, they have everything that you need between a fixed blade, a mechanical, a me- a mechanical hybrid. Um, I just seen a video today. They shot the K2 fixed blade out of a high-speed crossbow 17 times into diamond blade before it broke a blade. Um, it's incredibly strong broadhead. That's what I shot all year. Um, loved it. Um, it's a fixed blade that flies extremely true, and it's extremely tough. Um, and you just don't have to worry about that, you know, that shoulder blade shot or something like you do a mechanical. So it just takes a little bit of worry out, um, and, and you know you're going to have that good chance of a pass-through. So check out afflictyourbroadheads.com. Last, my good buddy over there, Tony from 330 Archery. Um, if you're in the market to get your bow restrung, um, he's the guy. He's going to hook you up. Um, he's been doing a lot of older bows for people and really enjoying that, getting those bows back up into into the shooting that they deserve with those new strings. So shout out for Tony who's doing that. Um, and also, if you guys are in the market for some mineral or feed this coming winter to get those deers through the winter and the spring, um, check out Next Level Deer Supplements, my good buddy Scott and Nate over there. They're still running the deer mineral, the deer feed, the soybean blocks. Um, still selling it. Um, so if you guys need anything, uh, check out nextleveldeersupplements.com. All right, well, let's get into the show. First off, I just wanted to do a giant shout-out to everybody that's listening to this show. Whether you're listening to the first time, the 100th time, the the 300th time, I know there's guys out there that listen to every episode I truly, truly appreciate you guys, and I, I, I really love you guys for tuning in and listening to me chat. I do this weekly. It doesn't seem like a lot, but um, it ends up always being like the worst time, um, and I'm, you know, the last day before I'm uploading this to, you know, and I'm trying to make time, and everybody's asleep, and I'm up doing it. Um, but it is a labor of love, and it makes it easier to know that you guys are tuning in. But the numbers this year were phenomenal um, on downloads and total listen time. Um, it was absolutely incredible what you guys did um, there in uh, September, October, November. Um, like I said, I've been running this for almost five years, and every year um, it just keeps getting more downloads and more downloads. So hopefully the content is getting better and better and better. Um, in the off season, I noticed that you know a lot of people don't start don't start thinking about hunting. So I'm going to have a series. You know, I guys, I love to run series. Uh, it kind of breaks up a knot need of just another episode. I'm going to run a series um, through the, the months of the off season. I think it's going to be pretty fun, um, something different, and something for everybody across the whole entire spectrum of hunting. Um, but just a huge shout-out to everybody that tuned in to this podcast and supported me throughout the years. Um, I appreciate you guys a ton, and you really showed out this year. Um, huge shout out to to all the the people that run ads and uh, you know pay for this thing to go on the airwaves to all the places and pay for Lipson and all the uploads. Um, but I brought I tried to bring it for you guys. Uh, like I said, uh, we're talking about the 17 days um, where I recorded a podcast 17 days straight and uploaded it while hunting full time with four kids and a wife. Um, so it was definitely uh, 
a tiring um, thing to do to upload, make a cover art, and post every day. But we got through it. We got it done. And now we're going to talk about those 17 days of why I didn't kill on my rutcation. Um, number one thing was, if you guys listened um, through, this, through the stories of the day-by-day, you know I missed an opportunity really early in my rutcation. Um, it was the it was October. It was really warm. I think it was like 68 that day. I went out in the morning and uh, I seen a buck while sitting in a pinch, and I seen a buck I called Jojo, who'd been pretty frequent on cams in that area, um, all nocturnal on cam though. I seen him work through this pinch about 75 yards away, where I I couldn't you know get on him I did a call sequence at him he didn't really seem to care worked off um and then went back into bedding is what I was assuming for the day um so my plan was is I was going to tear down and move in closer on him and that's exactly what I did so I tore down I move into a closer pinch on him and uh that deer had come out 30 minutes before dark and where it was going to work that pinch absolutely perfect that I moved in and what it was was it was a pinch where there was probably 45 acres of timber and then there's these little bowls of hay fields um and there's little strips of timber that went out we had to clock cross one hay field to get to me and i almost set up there but it was one of those spots where it was kind of a wide open hay field but just a timber line so i i figured he was just going to run across that field and there's no real way to pinch him down to get him 100 percent with that in bow range without calling because i already called at this deer once and realized that, you know, he wasn't call shy, but he wasn't real keen on coming into calls. Um, so um, I did snort wheeze at him that morning, and he didn't care, seemed to care at all. He just worked off. Um, but um, what I ended up doing is going back into that secondary pinch where there was, like I said, that, that 40 yards of timber and then that bowl of a, of a hay field. So he come out, and he was trotting across that hay field, the first hay field when I seen him. And I glassed him up, and he had a bent back G2, so it went up probably 10 inches and then kicked back probably 3 or 4 inches. Um, real cool, unique feature of him. Um, and uh, is on his left side, and that was the first thing I seen when he was trotting across the field and he turned his head, and I seen that kick back G2. And in your mind, you're like, oh, shit, it's it's JoJo. That's the buck we're in here after, you know. Um, so he comes in, and uh, I, he works he runs right across the center of that hay field so i'm glad i didn't hunt on the edge because he would probably would have been about 80 yards from where i would have been able to set up on the edge of that timber and i'd had to call him over um but he worked in and uh he worked into the pinch and there's a ravine um that he could hit and then it angles down right into this pinch and the pinch is kind of a little oak flat and then it bowls out into a water pinch um there's a big lake there so what I thought he was going to do was go to the edge of that in that bowl and work that water pinch, um, and you know he would be as safe as he could be on that side of the pinch. Well, what he did was he hit that ditch and then climbed straight up the other side and came in on the left side of me. So where I made the mistake was when he was coming out, I thought he was going to come closer. There was a scrape about 15 yards away, and in my mind I'm like, okay, you know it's. It's late October. He's going to come hit this scrape, check this scrape. He didn't check it in the morning. He's going to go right by it. <clears throat> but what he does is he angles out and edges out into um, that hay field. And the farmer had a bulldozer and a backhoe and stuff in there, kind of parked up away from their ways. And uh, he 
worked out into that hay field and he was probably about 45 yards and I had a shooting lane. I was like, well, I'm just going to wait. And, uh, he walked about, you know, four or five more steps and then he stopped and he was looking that direction. And in my mind, I didn't know if he'd seen the bulldozer in the backhoe was spooked or what, if he was just looking. So I tried to thread a shot through, um, some stuff and it's, it wasn't thick. It wasn't like a lot. It was just one tree. It was getting lower light. It was about 42 yards. And it's one tree about the size of your finger. Then it came out and wide and had a bunch of little branches. Um, well, I hit that tree limb directly in that Y spot. <clears throat> and that arrow flew way off. Luminoc flew out. I couldn't find the arrow. Um, but Buck wasn't spooked. He took off. <clears throat> Excuse me. But anyways, um, you know, the major, major flaw there was I didn't. There was a shooting lane three steps in front of him that was completely clear of everything. So instead of trying to force it to happen right, you know, when he stopped, I should have just let him walk a few more steps and then um, and then took the shot then when it was clean and there was nothing that could have altered my shot. It was a 40-yard shot, felt real comfortable when I released, just it was flying true and then it hit that and then, like I said, it ricocheted and flew right off him. And I was pretty devastated. He, he ran off and uh, kind of chilled out there for a second and then started uh, blowing. Um, didn't win me, but... Just knew something wasn't right, and I knew that I had probably ruined that buck in that area um, for a while. I didn't encounter that deer the rest of the season, but that was the number one, um, you know, you know, I think failure of the of the season and, and during that time period was the missed opportunity on that buck. As hunters who, you know, get limited time, I I, I get a lot of time because I save my vacation and literally don't take a sick day or anything. Um, all year and save it for that time period, take a vacation with my family. And then I don't take another day off for personal use the rest of the year. I save literally everything I can. Um, so I'm able to take those long stretches like that, but you still have, li <coughs> you still have limited time and limited opportunities. That's the main thing. So I believe for a normal guy that's not hunted, hunting highly managed property, you might get one or two opportunities a year at a really good buck. Um, and it's up to you to, you know, connect on those opportunities. And the last seven years I've connected on a buck or two or three a year, every year. Um, and this year during that time stretch, I just couldn't make it happen. I had that, that mental air of hitting that limb. And, uh, I think I wanted it so bad. The moment was perfect. I went in there after that buck and I was like, all right, this is my moment. I remember even, you know, thinking that in my mind, like, <clears throat> this is my moment I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to kill Jojo. He's my number one, you know, one of, he was not the biggest deer, but he was the coolest deer by four. Had about four or five inch drop tine off the main beam. Really, really cool deer. Sorry about that. I had, I didn't want to be coughing your guys' ear off, so I finally had to get up and get something to drink. But anyways, he's really cool deer. And uh, he was the number one on that property. And I kind of got my own head there and was trying to make sure that it happened and he didn't spook and I ruined the opportunity. But more than likely, he wouldn't have spooked off that stuff. He's probably just stopping to check out what was in that hayfield, and he was going to keep walking, and I could have stopped him in that clear shooting lane and and uh, made, the, made the shot. But so that's number one. Number two, a lot of the, you don't know this, I think, but I lost a lot of property right before the rut there in October um, that I had been working on for months. I had three target bucks picked out uh, that I was really – putting the most stack in because they were showing up the most. They were very, very, very frequent on scrapes um, in October there. And they were good deer, nothing giant. 
but they were good deer. They were going to be one of those deer that I shoot a good one and then I wait for a giant. And I lost that property as well as another property. Um, not anything I did, just another person wanted to start hunting that the farmer had. And uh, I had been running cams on that property all year pretty heavily. I put a lot of stake in that property and kind of pulled a lot of my assets off other pieces to hunt those and then lost them middle of October there. And that made a giant impact on my season because the property that I ended up hunting quite a bit was holding a lot of bucks, but it was one of those places that they were there at nighttime, a lot of field activity, and you're just trying to hunt, you know, one coming off a doe or something or get lucky. And uh, I wasted a lot of time there, um, but I was just so keen on having those bucks um, that I had on this other property. I was, you know, I was kind of banking on that piece of being not easy to kill, but very high odds of me having a chance to kill one of those bucks. Um, so me losing that, I, like I said, I've been working on it for months. That really put a damper on um, what I had going on. So that's something I need to look out for next year is, you know, make sure and have a spot that you feel good about, but also have a spot that you're, you feel really, you know, a secondary spot that you feel really good about that you think you could to, you can get a buck for sure. Um, another thing that I was doing is one of the properties I had, I was trying to save the property and not hunt very much until the rut there and until um, shotgun season. I knew that it was going to be a very good shotgun property. And uh, trying to wait until, you know, that that peak that peak mid rut stage and kind of give them deer a relaxed area and hunt other places. <clears throat> and uh, I this is my first year hunting that property, which is also another challenge that I did. I spent way too much time on my first year property instead of the other properties that I've had a lot of success on. I remember sitting, um, you know, in my chair at home after a hunt thinking, you know, if I go here, I could probably run into a buck, you know, pretty easy on public land. Um, but I was like, man, but I want to kill this deer. I want to kill this deer. I want to kill. I had, I had all these pictures of this deer, first year property. Um, and I was kind of hooked on it <clears throat> and there was a lot of deer on this property. So I thought it was going to be really good. Well, they're late. Um, they're during the rut and shotgun season, the hunting pressure got in, insane, which I did not know was going to happen. Um, Everybody and their brother was either hunting that piece that I didn't even know was supposed to be on it or people were hunting it that weren't supposed to be on it. Um, and all the neighbors were hunting on that field as well. I had six people all aiming at the field the same night um, that I was on. And I ended up passing a buck that had a broken main beam that I probably should have shot during shotgun. And uh, the guy that was out there ended up shooting it. And I, I I had shot a doe last light, close to last light. That buck took off running, and he ended up shooting it. Have to end up shooting it the next day um, as a follow-up shot. <clears throat> but well, that's just how it goes, you know. So I put – I waited too much on that property. I was trying not to bump deer off that field. But we had that cold October. I should have been in there hunting that field and hunting these deer that I were getting on cam – um, but I was just trying to save it until I thought, you know, man, these deer are going to be on the does. I'm really going to have the best opportunity. I saved it too long, and the other people got in there and really put pressure on the deer. And now it's pretty well vacant of deer until about, you know, 1130 at night. Um, there's really very little deer using it during the daylight. I still have mobile cams out there and getting very, very few pictures of deer using it. So I should not have saved that property. I should have went in there and hunted it in October 
um, and not did the whole, man, I'm going to let these deer not get bumped off on the neighbors so they don't get killed during shotgun. Um, I should have just went in there and tried to kill them before everybody else got there. Something I know for the future, I'm going to be hunting that property very, very hard in October next year. And uh, it will be a very hard hunt October and then kind of a light uh, gun hunt in that area because I know what it's like now. Um, like I said, I was banking on that new property too much. The one I lost and then also the other one that I got that was mostly field. There is some giant bucks there. Don't get me wrong. There is some absolute mega deer on that property. Um, but they're very nocturnal. It's mostly field. Um, it's extremely thick timber that is not mine. It's the neighbor's. Um, I cannot access access it. I only have access on the field, so it's very limited on where I can hang stands. And then also, <clears throat> I'm hunting these deer on scrapes, on field edges, which I've never had very good success with. And I hunted them way too much um, during that time frame, hoping to get lucky and one pop out. Um, along with that, me hunting those areas is I had very bad weather for a lot of stretch of those days. I had highs in the low 70s. 60s a lot of south wind a lot of stuff that east wind that i wasn't really banking on um and but with those winds i utilized one area that i wanted to hunt that i had an absolute giant that i've been hunting for the last couple years um he was he was a buck that i wanted to see and get eyeballs on last year um and then i, I ended up seeing him getting sheds and uh end up the deer didn't come into into bow range that that year but he wasn't a shooter. He was borderline edge shooter. Um, but then this year he put on about 30, 35 inches. Um, and I, he's a, he's a mainframe 12 with, um, a split G three and split brow tines. I think he's a high 60, 70 class deer. And I banked a lot of hunts on that deer and knowing that that deer was a roamer, I did the same thing on that property. I didn't hunt it a lot in October. I banked a lot on trying to hold deer in that area. Um, but the area just does not hold deer. Um, the later in the year, the deer are there, the, you know, they, the deer just evaporate and they don't use the property. Once the ag's gone, the deer are gone. And that's how it's been every single year. This year I thought, I'm not going to go in there and hunt it. They're going to have, a, they're going to feel safe in there. The deer's going to hold up not get killed, you know, during the rut, not get killed during shotgun season, I'll have an opportunity to go in there and hunt him. Well, that didn't work out. I ended up hunting it in the rut um, fairly hard there because we had a lot of those southeast winds. Never did encounter the deer. Did have a couple good encounters with a couple three-and-a-half-year-old deer there that were going to be very solid um, that I ended up passing. One that was real solid buck on a food plot. Um, probably a mid-30s class deer that ended up passing and uh, just had really good um, encounter with him um, twice, actually. And I, it wasn't a deer that I wanted to shoot. I was extremely picky this year, which that is something that I have not done in the past. That's another reason that I don't believe I was successful. I was either going after a certain deer or very high-scoring deer, um, one or the other. I had uh, chips and dip, which was... On you know the top of my list, that's that buck that I said I got the sheds off. He was on the property where the deer vacate um, after the crops leave. Um, and then I had JoJo. Um, I had a big 11 that was, he's still alive, made it through gun season. He's one of those deer that just come and hit a scrape. 
at in the middle of the night that you get every now and then, you know. But I got frequent pictures of him. Never seen him during the rut. Never seen him yet. Um, but uh, I had him, and then I had PT, which is the public land deer. Um, and I was just pretty much targeting them deer alone. And I had cams going off with solid bucks, daylighting in areas, and I just did not go in there and hunt them. I was just so set on JoJo had burned me on the limb. I was so set on hunting in his area or hunting where Chips and Dip was or hunting where PT is that I wasn't just going in there and say, okay, I'm going to kill one of these solid bucks. I didn't want to kill just a solid 130, 140 class deer this year. I wanted to kill the deer or one of the high scoring deers. Um, so I passed a really good eight, probably mid twenties, um, during the rut, I passed another eight in Watauga on my urban piece. Um, that was high thirties, really, really good eight. Um, I passed him in October, actually got in there, um, where I thought he was bedding to get a better look at him and seen him in his bed and he got out of bed and came in within 30 yards. Perfect hunt past that deer um and everything i got on video too so i know a lot of people say they pass deer um and don't back it up i can back up everything i got um but it was just a year of i had so much property so much time in my mind i was like there's no way i can't get it done on one of these bigger class deer i'm just gonna hold out you get two buck tags but every year i've killed a solid buck and then i've went and chased after a giant well this year i was thinking why kill a solid buck when you got four giants? Like if you kill a giant, then you can kill a second giant. You know, you can chase after one of these other big deer. If you kill a decent buck just to kill something, just to get a kill on the ground. Um, and in my mind, if I did that, I'd be killing it for someone else to think, Oh, he got a buck instead of me being excited to kill that deer. Um, you know what I mean? Like I was, I didn't want to kill it for you guys, the listeners. I wanted to kill it for me. Um, so it's just not something I wanted to do. I got one buck on public eight pointer with a heavy split two on one side. Good brows. I probably should have went and killed that deer. The more I look at the trail cam pictures, um, he daylighted one, one day on cam three times the same day. He was daylight in there the next day. Then he skipped a day, and he was back daylight in this pinch. He just utilized this pinch heavy. Um, but I keep telling myself in the mind, in my mind, man, I have all this historical data off this pinch now. I didn't go in there to disturb it. There was some other people that went in there. I did get them on trail cam. Um, but now I have all this historical data, and all these deer lived. So next year, just think you're going to have all these deer that were edgers this year that are going to be really good deer for next year. Um, so that's something that is a positive, you know, I didn't go in there and shoot those just okay deer. Um, even if they were on public, I kind of let them be and, uh, decided next year I'll go kill them. And there just wasn't really anything. There was one really good deer on one piece of public that I was kind of interested in hunting him a couple times. And then a good friend of mine killed him and he ended up being a really, really good buck. Um, one that we, if you'd listened to the podcast in the past, the short time 10, um, he blew up this year. It was probably in the 60s, and a good buddy of mine uh, killed him um, and was able to get him out of there. So, I mean, that was the second biggest deer on that property 
Um, so shout out to him. He was able to shoot that deer and get him off there, you know. Um, so that's a huge accomplishment, and I know that they put a ton of work out there. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the big thing after covering all that is I was just hunting the wrong properties at the wrong times, waiting on a giant to show up that wasn't going to be there, um, that wasn't consistently there. He was more of just traveling through that area occasionally. Um, and that's chips and dip, you know, the big, the seventies class deer. Um, I do believe if he made it through gun season, I have a very good shot at him late season though. So it's not over. I got a very good late season food plot in and a stand set up. That's perfect that I could sneak in. Um, we had an opportunity last year where homie missed one of our, uh, target bucks, buzz Lightyear, Um, and, uh, like I said, I have a really good area for bucks just kind of slip back in late season and hit those the hit that late season plot when it gets really cold. So next week we're gonna have those really really cold temps where it gets down to zero, eight, seven. So I mean that that's can really change stuff um, overnight when you get those weather. You know, you get a stretch of weather like that where there's deer have to get up and get to that ag. So it's definitely not over. I still have bucks alive and going, um, but. I was hunting those traveling bucks, those bucks that weren't consistent, that were just, you know, flyers in a property, and uh, <clears throat> PT was one of those. And I, I know you guys have probably heard the story of PT. Here's a three-year-old buck, or three-year-old chase for a deer on public, who is an absolute giant. I don't know how big he is, um, but he is huge. He's at least eighty class, eighties class deer. Got a shed off him last year. Went in hunted him three days. Um, the last day I went in and hunted him, I went to the area where I thought, okay, he's back here on a doe. Um, had him on trail cam. Uh, he's back here on a doe. Um, I don't know where he's at, but if he breaks off that doe, this is the area that he's going to come through. So I went in there and hunted, hunted all day, ended up seeing two does and a basket eight, and that was it. And then the next morning I had to go back to work because my last day of rotation and he came through that area where my mobile cam was at 9.30 in the morning, 15 yards from that stand that I, I would have been setting at, um, that I just set at the day before. So you got an 80, 90, you know, 190-inch, 180-inch class deer out there on public, and you were there, you know, the day the day before, right there, ready to kill him when he came off that doe, and he came off that doe and worked through that pinch a day after you were there. So just straight bad luck. You were, you were doing the right things. You just weren't there at the right times. Um, I went in on a other piece of public, set up on the ground, had a giant. I set up in one area um, in this water pinch area where this ravine was, um, just kind of scouting this area and didn't know where to go. Went in there in the dark and, and set up in the – had some bucks chasing uh, doe and grunting, you know, before shooting light. So I moved over closer to the, where I heard them. And when shooting light came in, probably 15 minutes later, um, a buck had ran right past where I was just setting, chasing a doe. Um, really good deer. Uh, Ten-pointer with dark tines, probably a 50-class deer. Um, but it's just uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff combined, just bad luck stuff with that. You know, a lot of stuff just not coming together, hunting the wrong property. But getting into the stuff that I could actually control was – I had some airs out there. Um, I think I was shell, a little shell-shocked from hitting that limb, and I was at the urban piece. I had the tall tine 10. Um, he, I seen him three times. I drew on him three times same day. Um, full draw um, from 30 to 45 yards. 
And uh, there was always just stuff in the way, a limb, a branch, a bunch of stuff. He's wrong angle. He's walking away. It's not, it's not, I was just waiting for that really good opportunity. And I believe that I should have took a little more risky chance there and, and threaded the needle on some shots. Um, not took a bad placement shot, but just took maybe a tighter window shot like I've done in the past. Um, but I'd hit that limb before already and he was in the area. I just wanted to wait for that perfect moment, you know, where he walks right through my shooting lane and he was always just edging him. He's right on the edge of him angling away or he'd go right to it and then he'd walk away, you know, and it just never was perfect. Um, so <clears throat> that was, you know, one problem that I had. I was back on the urban piece again and there's an eight on there. There's a very, very, very good eight pointer on there. Big, huge. And, uh, I rattled him in twice the same day. And, uh, this deer went to the edge of where he thought he could win me and stood. It was two different, it was probably an hour and a half apart that I rattled him in. And he came in and he stood probably in the exact same footprints that he did the first time he was there. 52 yards facing away, looking down in this ravine where my, the rattling were, you know, was echoing downwind of where he thought these bucks were. And, uh, I'm watching this deer, watching this deer, and he's slowly kind of working towards me, and uh, and then he he's froze. He's probably there for five minutes. He's just chilling. So I decide to hit him with a snort wheeze and kind of see, and the opposite area he's facing, and kind of the thicker stuff where I'm at. And right when I hit that snort wheeze, I hear a bunch of commotion, and during all this time, I'm looking over my shoulder at this other buck. A buck had slipped in in front of me, and was really, really close to me, maybe sub 10 yards when I snort wheezed, and it just scared the crap out of him, and he took off running, and I had no idea um, that that deer was even there um, in front of me because I was so focused on the deer behind me um, and not losing him. I should have been more aware of my surroundings, you know, and, and working around, and, and I I don't know for sure if it was a shooter deer. It had a good frame on it, but it happened so fast. I heard the commotion turn around, and they're all sprinting. Well, he sprinted past the the big eight, and then he sprinted through the doe bedding, and three does took off, and that's what that big eight was with. He was with those does. So that kind of ruined the whole day by me just scaring that one buck. Um, and uh, instead of you know being aware and looking around, I just had a mental error and was focused on that one deer. Um, I did have one setup where – I hunted and didn't really like the setup. The stand was awkward. Um, I didn't really think that I could get away with a lot, and I did have three does end up busting me. And uh, there was a smaller buck following those three does, and uh, they bumped back the way they can. And then I seen a couple other deer bumping with them as as they went. So uh, I knew that the setup wasn't perfect. I was trying to push it. Um, it wasn't a good setup. The deer were as high as me and that never works out for me. And when I'm on the ridge and they can get up higher where I think they're going to be at their kind of level with me, it seems I always get busted if I don't have back cover. I think that's the biggest thing, um, for the deer is you need to have some back cover to break up that movement and you're just your stiletto standing uh, in the tree. And I had no, it was kind of skyline ridged me there and I had no back cover at all. Um, then the deer were kind of sideways on me instead of straight on in the stand. And when they bumped, they bumped other deer with the behind them. I don't know if it was a buck or not, but they did, you know, they did come in and see me. Um, so that was an error there. Uh, 
not hunting areas with solid bucks and only hunting areas with really good deer. Like I said, I didn't want to kill deer for anybody else. I wanted to kill something for me. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest mistakes now that I look back on the season. Uh, there's a couple bucks that I probably should have went in there after that were good. They were, you know, good, mature, four-and-a-half-year-old deer. They just weren't good, racked, mature deer. And uh, I just didn't want to – I had such high hopes. I had so much time. I had so much property. I had worked so hard in the off season, worked so hard in the summer prep, put the food plots in, ran the cams on this new property that I lost, felt really good about these deer, not bumping them. They're still hitting scrapes in daylight. I can go in there and just pop one of these deer – that I didn't put a lot of effort into uh, to locating more deer um, because I had so many bucks located already um, that I just kind of was like, I'm good on shooter bucks. And then when I lost those two properties, I lost a lot of my shooter bucks. So I was down to a smaller batch of shooter bucks. One property that was chips and dip, who's just a, an absolute flyer buck. And and then I had the new property, the ag property, um, where I had no bucks really consistent besides JoJo that I had an encounter with. Um, so the three deer that were most consistent on cam, I all I had an encounter in all those. I had an encounter with JoJo. I had an encounter with the mid-120s, eight, that I passed. And I had an encounter with the 10 that ended up breaking off a main beam, probably mid-135-ish. Um, that got shot during uh, first shotgun season that I, I passed him the same that five minutes before he got shot. So um, I the three deer that were most on cam, most on that property in daylight, I encountered every single one of them. But there's still bucks there. Um, so the late season, I'm hoping with some cold weather, I have some really good encounters. Muzzleloader was a bust. The weather was junk. I've been hunting hard. I kind of took a step back from posting on social media so much. Um, the rutcation kind of burned me out on uh, posting, and I was just trying to get back caught up on work, caught up on, you know, the kids, basketball starting, just getting my, you know, stuff together. Um, the kids have been sick on and off, but I'll get back on the grind, keeping you guys updated of what I got going on out there. But that's just kind of a run-through of why I think I didn't kill. Um, it wasn't from a lack of effort. I don't know how I got, I had a note of how many hours, I don't know how many hours I had on stand. I did multiple all day sets. I had multiple, multiple encounters with really good deer. Um, I had encounters with bucks. I wanted to shoot. Um, I was in the area where the bucks were there. I mean, I missed one, you know, I hit a limb on one, you know, the Jojo shot. It was just an all around, just a bad luck year. And I've said it before on here, you know, the seven-year streak has to come to an end. Um, you're, If you're a normal guy that's not hunting highly, highly managed ground, eventually there's going to be a year where you don't kill. Um, and I kind of made myself not kill this rut just by not hunting good deer. I wanted to kill a giant. I wanted to kill a couple of giants. I was getting greedy out there. Um, I was wanting to kill a couple of really good deer, but I had them. You know, I had them, I had, you know, I had the deer to hunt. So, um, I don't know if that makes me dumb for going that way or, or makes me, you know, so show a little self-restraint for not going out there and just killing a buck to kill a buck. But, uh, I just really last year, straight up honest with you, the first deer I killed the Huffy buck, uh, or not the Huffy buck, I'm sorry. The uh Oh buck, um, it's called the uh Oh buck because 
Um, he was way smaller than I thought he was. That was a property that we had lost in October in that year. And I wanted to shoot something off of, but I thought he was probably 20 inches bigger when I shot him and walking up on that deer. Um, I wasn't as jacked up as I should have been. And it wasn't the deer's fault. It was me. It was my fault. You know, I just shouldn't have shot that deer. Um, I was jacked up in the moment. I thought he was bigger. Um, but when I walked up there, I was a little discouraged on how big he was and, I felt wrong for feeling that way, and I just did not want that happened again this year. I want when I walk up on a buck, I want to be like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like this is this is what I wanted. This is exactly what I wanted. So I just wanted to make sure that did not happen this year. I try to be straight up honest with you guys, and that that year that buck kind of burned me on being a little more selective on what I shoot. And when I look at deer, I'm just like, "Man, am I gonna be excited?" And I I don't. I don't know if it's wrong for me saying that or not, but it's just the honest truth of why I chose to be as selective as I did this year. Um, and that did put a damper on my success 100%. Um, cause like I said, I could have went after a lot of these other deer when I was hunting these ghost deer that are way bigger. Um, but that was a choice I made personally and I'm not upset about it. And like I said, I'm doing this podcast just to reflect on what I had going that year and what, I really want this to do is I really want to listen to this in September or October when I'm prepping up for next year and go through this and try to make sure that I don't make these same mistakes for next November. And I'm using it as content for you guys. So hopefully um, you can pick up something with this and maybe you, you decide, well, maybe I made that mistake too. Maybe I hunted that deer too much or maybe I hunted that property too much on a buck that I knew probably wasn't going to show up or you know, maybe you can reflect on this and pick out some of your failures and your successes. And that's what I want to do. Um, kind of make content for you, but double dip it next year when I'm getting ready for my rutcation and say, okay, what I mess up on last year and what can I change going into this year? Um, last year I was bucked out before November. I was bucked out October 27th. And this year I haven't killed a buck yet. So it's crazy how the years can differ. Um, I feel like I put in more effort and more time and scouting and running areas and running cams and prepping areas than I ever have this year. Um, but, uh, all that, all, all that doesn't matter. You still have to, to make the shot happen when you're out there, you know, would it, would I feel like this season's a huge success if I would have killed Jojo, you know, a mid one fifty five class deer, um, with a five inch drop time. Oh, hell yeah, I would have, you know, I'd have been jacked as hell, but that's just, you know, something that happens. You, you missed him, you know, and I don't know if he made it through gun seasons or not. I haven't got any pictures of him. So we'll have to see if he's around next year. Um, but I'll be definitely hunting him a lot different than I was this year. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to wait. Um, cause like I said, I learned from that mistake and hopefully when I'm listening to this in September, October next year, I'm going to say, man, you got to get in there now. You got to hunt those scrapes. Now you got to hunt those pinches. Now you can't wait. You got to hunt them early, right? You can't wait until all those other guys get in there and start banging that area up and scare all the deer away. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Another big shout out to everybody that supported this podcast over the years, year in and year out. You guys are here. listening to me chat. Um, and I, like I said, I'm going to have, some BS sessions coming off, some off-season BS uh, sessions. I'm also going to have the series coming out um, where I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, but it's going to be, like I said, something for all all hunters um, from beginner to 
to experience um, something that I haven't done, haven't touched base, and uh, it'd be a good time of the year to do it. So in an, uh, just to recap, you know, I had some hunting errors out there, bumped some deer, bumped a buck. I wasn't hunting the right areas to kill, you know, really good, just solid bucks instead of giants. <clears throat> I had some bad weather. Um, I was a little shook up from hitting the limb on that buck. Um, I was hunting that property too much. That was just a travel through property after chips and dip. Um, I tried to save that property. I was banking on that property that I lost in October too much. Um, and, uh, that missed opportunity on Jojo that really altered my season in a way that I didn't think I had missed a buck, um, in, I don't even know how many years. Um, and that really, that really crushed me for some reason. It's just, you shoot so much and you prepare for that moment and you feel so good. And I know I hit a limb. A lot of people say, stop saying you missed, you hit a limb, but <clears throat> you know, a, a miss is a miss. I didn't connect on the deer and that really put a damper on, on my year. But like I said, hopefully I can get, listen to this in September, October next year and say, okay, you know, you need to start shooting your bow extremely. You need to get ready for that that you need to do that sequence in your mind of Jojo where you stopped him, there's a limb, you need to wait, then you wait for the right shot instead of trying to thread that needle. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Like always, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.